Welcome to The Last American Vagabond. Joining me today to discuss the second edition, the release of the second edition of his book, How to Opt Out of the Technocratic State. Derek Bros will be joining me. Before we let him into the show today, I'd like to read something from the introduction of his book. Well, technically, I could just read it to you, but we might as well open it together so you guys can see. I, I'm going to end with a piece of the second edition introduction to kind of you know give you guys an encapsulation of this but i think this is really important and i really found this to be an important kind of perspective on this he writes as humanity enters the third decade of the 21st century we find ourselves at the precipice of a technocratic age where artificial intelligence smart technology and the internet of things are becoming a part of everyday life this technology provides benefits but comes at a cost corporations governments law enforcement and hackers are all capable of peering into our lives at any moment Corporations and governments are even learning to use technology in ways that allow them to be the engineers of society. The concept of social credit is also becoming increasingly popular, and the likelihood that citizens will face negative consequences for choosing to speak out about controversial topics or criticizing authorities is only going to increase. This shift towards a world where digital technology is the solution for all things is being driven by the tech sector, specifically the institutions often referred to as big wireless and big tech. The CEOs of transnational corporations and their partners in government have worked to cement digital technology into every aspect of human life. The world they envision is one where scientists and technologists comprise an elite class that decides the future of society. While the digital technology coming from these indust industries has only emerged in the last few decades, the philosophy that guides many of the leading figures in the, these industries, as well as their partners in government, is nearly a century old. This philosophy of rule by technological experts and scientists is known as technocracy. I thought that was an important place to begin so you guys understand first how he's laying out that perspective, and maybe for those that aren't really well-versed on what that actually is. And that was written in, I believe, 2019, or you can correct me on that, when this was first begun. And just think about where we are today and how much that has been shown to be correct. So bringing Derek into the show today, always good to have him back on to discuss the second edition of this great book. How are you today? I'm doing great, brother. And you're correct. That was, I wrote that, especially the intro in late 2019 and published it January, 2020. It's just kind of interesting to see. I mean, in 2019, there's a, there's a lot of people that were pointing out this structure or the, the building of it. But what's interesting is that it was not defined the way it is today, right? So however you know, it, it's, looking at information that's readily available, but it's very prescient in the same time frame. you know, that we are uh, simply because the establishment is pushing back in every possible way to say, that's not true. That's not happening. And here we are. It's exactly where we are. So let's start with the idea, unless you wanted to flesh out any more concepts around like the definition of technocracy for people that are new to it. Let's kind of start with, you know, where you first got the idea to write this book and why you felt it was important and, you know, the process to now. Yeah, sure. Appreciate that. I think what we've laid out there briefly about technocracy probably gives people an understanding. And if they want to dive deeper into the book, they can check it out. Um, but the reason I wanted to write it was sort of twofold. Uh, first, as a journalist, as you know, I've been covering digital surveillance and digital privacy tools for a number of years, about a decade now, starting with when I was living in Houston, Texas, uh, investigating cell phone surveillance because I myself found out through um, a police officer who leaked some documents to the activist group I was involved in, found out that I was under surveillance. And that kind of began my journey into looking into cell phone surveillance and then facial recognition, automatic license plate leader, uh, readers, thermal detectors, gunshot detectors, all this whole array and host of tools that police have, not even counting smartphones, the internet of things, the internet itself, all that stuff. And so I've been following this for yeah a decade now. And I remember as early as 2016, 2017, 
uh, writing and writing some articles and reading some reports from digital privacy groups, from uh, lawyers, activists who were paying attention and who were warning at that time that with facial recognition and the rise of AI, that we were moving into a very dangerous territory that, you know, we were kind of, you know, they sort of referred to it as that idea of opening the Pandora's box. But in this case, like once you open that box up and this different technologies get out for better or worse, which of course technology is a tool it'll have good things and bad things at the same time. Uh, but either way, once it's out, there's really no, you know, press the off button, turning it off and going backwards. And so people have been warning about this for a number of years. And then obviously we, as I do in the book, we can look to China and see just ubiquitous facial recognition everywhere. We can see social credit scores. We can look to places like India where the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and some other organizations worked to get the billion plus people in India uh, digital IDs under the ADHAR system, which stands for the foundation. And we can see the dangers of that and how that's been um, really abused. And so in 2019, as I'm writing this book, I was kind of looking at these warnings of what's to come. And also my personal philosophy, like in my activism and, and a lot of my books is uh, counter economics, this idea of exiting from the systems, like creating new alternative financial systems. But I take it even beyond that and talk about building alternatives to the schools, to mm -hmm. the medical system, obviously, all those different, just every area that we can see these people are trying to control us. Like, let's get out of that system and build something better. Let's compete with it directly. So this has been a philosophy I've been promoting for years, but I also was starting to think like, is that even going to be possible in the world we're moving into? And so the book was kind of a part of like part uh, warning of what's to come. And then also part call to action saying like, Hey, well, here's some things we can do about it. So it's not specifically a journalistic book that just goes into the, you know, the relationships of who these people are, who's connected to who, you know, I've done a lot of that work at the last American vagabond in my work, uh, the last couple of years and before. So this gives you a little bit of a taste of here's an intro to technocracy. Here's an intro to what we're facing in case you don't know about these things, but the bulk of it, especially the new updates I've done are very much practical info that people can use to just think about what the world we're going into and how you're going to interact with that. I mean, I think that's kind of the mm -hmm. underlying question that I'm asking people in this book is to think about what is our relationship with technology? I'm not here to necessarily tell you what to do per se. I mean, I, I do put a lot of ideas and I, I, I kind of describe like, here's the extreme end. If you want to avoid everything, then get rid of your bank account, get rid of your credit card, stop using uh, social media, you know, very extreme for most people, but that's one end of the spectrum. And then let's say somebody who's maybe very much plugged in and I try to provide ideas for moving yourself forward to whatever degree you want to go forward. And ultimately just saying that, look, I, I do think increasingly that the direction that this world they want to create like the Great Reset Agenda 2030, which by the way, when I first wrote the book, we didn't even know the term the Great Reset. It was still eight right. months away from us hearing about that. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write an update. But when we see the world they're creating and the the direction we're heading, this is why I was writing the book kind of warning, like guys, we're heading a dangerous direction. I don't think there's going to be liberty or privacy if we just sort of casually watch things go in this direction and think that we won't somehow get sucked into it. Instead, mm. we need to start opting out of these systems and start rethinking our relationship with digital technology. And, you know, you see where that takes you. I, I describe some ideas, but ultimately it's up to each reader, each listener to decide what's right for them and their family. Yeah. So, so would you describe this book as sort of a introductory i mean i guess a combination of an introductory level as well as more of an advanced level of like how to step your way through this process essentially like where you are now in this existence or this technological world and how to you know step through this into the other side of it or is it more broad than that in your opinion um i think it has elements of everything you just described right especially the updates which which i'll elaborate on in a few moments um you know i 
over the years, man, I'm a big believer in um, that every person hearing this has the, the the mental capacity, the skills, the 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 heart, and the passion they need they they need to create the world they want. I think there's a lot of people who underestimate their own power and who underestimate what they're capable of. But I also don't have the time or the desire to try to fight human nature at this point. So while I've been a long-term believer in spontaneous order and everybody will just figure it out, I don't need to give them you know a step-by-step thing and hold their hand. Unfortunately, maybe, maybe fortunately, I don't know. I found out that the opposite is true. And we, even within the so-called truth freedom movement, there are a lot of people just kind of waiting. They, they, maybe they have the resources to do something, but they don't even know where to start or they're afraid to start or they're, you know, just whatever the reason is. So I, very, I did try to approach this book and the updates with being as practical as possible and like, hey, step one, you know, make a plan. Step two, start right. thinking about this. So like, for example, in the area, uh, I talk about the importance of considering your relationship with the banking system. And I think this is definitely something that is even more important in this update that I'm doing, which was just written in the last few months. So now we know about, again, when I wrote the book, we didn't know central bank digital currencies. We didn't know the term great reset. Um, technocracy wasn't a household name like it is now, right? I mean, so there are there's a lot more awareness that we have, both in terms of what they are going to do and what they're willing to do, lock people down, mm-hmm. screw them out of jobs, you know, all these kinds of things we witnessed. And we should take lessons from that and and prepare for what else is coming because the, the updates very much say, look, if there's a new pandemic or if it's climate lockdowns, clearly we now see the strategies and the direction they're going in. And it would be, I think, intelligent to take the lessons we've learned and then now start planning instead of just kind of waiting. Okay, things have gone back to normal. I'll just wait till it happens again. Then, oh no, here it is. You know, I didn't make any plans. So like when I'm talking about banking system and getting out of the banking system, I do try to be as practical as possible. Uh, people might know, it heard me say that I haven't used the bank since 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, it's which is not easy at all. Um, I will say, it, I mean, you know, you know this. Like we're constantly having to figure out. Anybody who's had to pay me money knows that. Are like, okay, well, where can we send it? How can we do this thing? And I appreciate everybody who who maneuvers that. And I try to cover that in the book and be practical and say, like, look, this is going to. If you want to take certain steps, it's going to involve lifestyle changes, right? So let's say you are somebody who's got a. 401k direct deposit from like a you know normal mainstream what uh, we call like a white market job which means that it's taxed it's trackable traceable the government knows about it just a mainstream job whatever you're doing whether you're waiting tables or working in an office and you got money just being deposited directly into your bank and it's so convenient and you got seven or eight different accounts connected to that bank that automatically deduct from there and you got deposit you know that's a lot to figure out I, I definitely get that but it's worth figuring it out and choosing to just like, oh, no, that's too much to do. Okay, well, then I guess whenever you're not free or all your money is turned into central bank digital currencies and you can be locked out because you had the wrong opinions and you're dreaming about the freedom you used to have, then maybe you'll wish you had taken the time to do that. I mean, I, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to be just blunt and practical here because I do want to help people and try to give them a guide. But at the end of the day, if you're not willing to you know, meet new friends, try to work with people who have different opinions than you, learn new skills, maybe change your lifestyle, do some research, you know, switch from a bank to a credit union on the way to something better that might work for you, like a safe at home or anything like that. Mm-hmm. These are all steps like towards opting out of the technocratic state. It's not going to happen overnight, especially if you're somebody that's super plugged in. And I get that. And I empathize with that. And I understand that. And I'm not even saying like, hey, you need to be living my lifestyle per se. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. think about what you have right now and the the, the habits you have and the um, way you're living your life. And is it going to be conducive towards staying free, 
having privacy, et cetera, in the world that they're trying to create. If you've already got an Amazon Echo in your house and Alexa, maybe that's the first step. Get rid of those things, right? Stop mm -hmm. using Google. Like there's a bunch of things you can do that I go over in the book that are literally at the moment you're reading them. If you choose to, you could change that right then and there. Now yeah. others will take more time and be more involved, but there are things we can do. Yeah. The, well, what's interesting is the system itself and you know, I don't know if it's always been this way or not, most likely, seems to be built that way to overcomplicate things, to make it more. Same with the voting system, same with our entire governmental system. It's meant to be like almost at least outwardly so complicated. It's like, just trust, trust the experts. Like, let us tell you how you're supposed to operate in this system. And, and that's how this ends to be today. And to your point, the point you made is great with the banking system and deductions. And, you know, it seems almost overwhelming to the average person to be mm -hmm. like, what would I do without that? You know, and that's how this is being built. And I think it's really important. And I like how you laid it out there that it doesn't have to mean that every single thing in this book I mean, I, I, I argue that the things you're laying out are necessities, but you can choose and, and decide. And, you know, any of these steps are good in a direction away from the more controlled structure we're leading into. I also mm -hmm. add that, sadly, as you know, there's plenty of people that don't really want freedom, whether they think that or not. They don't they they think that maybe what they're looking at is freedom when it's it's a controlled system. But. Good. Yeah, that's an important point. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say that you bring up a great point. And I'll just I'll mention this, that in the, at the end of the first edition of the book, um, I talk about what I call the freedom formula, which is just like a kind of a creative way to get people to think about this and to to ask themselves and maybe to become aware. Oh, I thought I wanted freedom. Maybe I really don't. You know, mm -hmm. and this equation is basically just here's what you want. Here's how you imagine your freedom. Right. So for one, you have to understand that that's another part of this book is look, they are working night and day on their agenda, 2030, the great reset. How much energy and effort have you put into thinking what the next seven years is going to look like for you and your family? Like, are you, mm -hmm. do you have any plans? Have you put anything concrete together, laying a foundation, anything, you know, because that's what we need to be doing. Cause they're working night and day, trillions of dollars, every multinational corporation, every government, you know, it, it, they're, they're doing their plans. We need to be yeah. thinking just as hard. So once you have that, here's the vision I have, you know, I want to grow my own, food and have my family and have a piece of land or whatever your vision is, right? You've got that. You understand this is your desired level of freedom, right? And that'll look different for each of us. Mm -hmm. um, and then you add that to what are you willing to do to get it, which is the conversation right. we're having today, right? And then when you get to that point and you realize, well, okay, like I do want to stay free. I want to make sure my kids that they have the, the same opportunities I had, that they're not forced into this technocracy and all this kind of stuff. Okay. What am I willing to do to get that? Okay, well, that's mm -hmm. going to involve new skills. It's going to involve maybe moving, buying a piece of land, saving money, giving up my Netflix so that I can save extra money, you know, all kinds of things that you have to really think about. And then maybe when you get to that point, you're like, wow, this is a lot. This is really overwhelming. Maybe this isn't, you know, and then you kind of move on. You go back to scrolling Instagram or whatever, right? Yeah. The, the answer to that equation is your actual experience of freedom. So what you desire, what that freedom looks like, what you're willing to do, and the outcome will be your actual experience. So if there's a disconnect between what you want and what you desire and what you're willing to do, clearly you're not going to get your desired level of freedom. You'll get something less than that, you know, and, and maybe in the end, as long as we aim towards something of higher vision, you know, and we're working that direction, we'll stay free to whatever degree. But ultimately, if you are not willing to make changes or not willing to adjust your behavior, then like you said, maybe you really don't want to be free. Yeah. Well, I would argue for those that, you know, it's, it's, I, it, I'd argue it. And I, I agree with that completely, but I argue that it's more important to, to within that one point to fully define for each of you listening out there, what that means, just because you may come up against that and can, and decide that, Oh, maybe I don't want freedom, but is that the case? Or are you just convinced that you want something different because of X, Y, and Z propaganda, social engineering, sure. social media. So I argue that person, in that position, like you get to that point where you go, Oh, okay, well, I don't really want to do that. 
right there you're realizing, okay, then I don't technically want what I think is what I'm being told freedom is or the way I perceive it because you're choosing convenience and comfort over that. And maybe that's what you actually want. No criticism. I mean, from my personal life perspective, I think that's crazy, but to each your own, (laughs) right? But I would argue in that moment, stand back and ask yourself, like, am I choosing convenience in this moment knowing that I'm still going to be unhappy with the outcome. And that would show you that you're, it's more laziness than choosing freedom sure. versus slavery, right? That's an that's, important point. I think we're engineered in that way today, very aggressively. But yeah, I, in that, to that same point, I wanted to add uh, an analogy to what you were saying before. Like, it's about choosing to take these actions now as opposed to when it's like right up in your face, right? And it's the analogy exactly. of like, or like the, the thing before COVID, right? Where you realize that, people that are in prepping and organizing and, you know, different layers of that, obviously people can get pretty intense with it, but that they were called (laughs) crazy, you know, all these preppers and they're, they're weird. And, you know, and then we quickly saw that, Oh, maybe they weren't that crazy. Right. Or the reality being that it's only crazy up until it suddenly becomes rational when the problem starts and those people that are organized and ready and they're, they're, they seemingly okay. So the point is to take that action before it's necessary in the moment, which I know you're, basically laying out here and i think that's really just to encapsulate that as an obvious thing to understand you know you don't when you go to prep when it's necessary the food won't be there i think that's pretty simple to understand and that's that's how exactly. well, you know we're going to be inside the technocratic panopticon when you start going oh should i not use my social oh, too late <laughs> already stuck yeah that's exactly <laughs> it might be too late to make those choices by that point point. and you're right about the two things like about the prepping community they were correct the people who maybe predicted something was coming or you know were anticipating it Probably like, oh, cool. They shut down the grocery stores. I got food at the house for you know two years. I'm not worried about it, right? right. And of course, there is the the extreme end of that community, which is people who are like peeking out the window shades every day, just like they're coming for me. And and you know it, it, that exists as well. So I'm not here to preach like doomsday and live in fear and all this kind of right. stuff because I don't. I personally don't. I, I see what's on the horizon, and I'm writing this book because I'm very concerned. But I also know that within my personal life and the people around me and the people that I'm trying to help in different ways that I am not only constructing a, a network that is for me the beginning of this parallel network so that I can exchange currency and, and value you know, outside of the government's hands and the bank's hands for now, um, that I'm trying to secure my food you know, supply on a local level, both like food storage here, but also making sure I have access to land where I can grow my own food, things like that, right? So because I'm taking those steps, I feel maybe not overly optimistic, but I know that I'm doing what I can, right? And at the end of the day, like that's that's all we really can do, right? So yeah, the other point. Sorry, go go ahead. ahead. I just want to add to that. I don't want to forget. Go ahead, finish your thought. I was just going to say like what you said earlier was so important about the social engineering to, or just the way that society has created or encouraged laziness. You know, I was talking about this with a friend and this is tied into it uh, in a broader manner, but even things like Google maps, right? There's studies now coming out confirming what I've been telling people for years. You're getting dumber because we constantly rely on these things. I remember when I first started driving way back in the early 2000s, you know, there wasn't Google Maps yet and smartphones. So if you got lost, you had to figure it out, right? And you did. You figured it out eventually and it was okay, you know, and that made you, I think, more creative. You had this, your brain had to figure out this puzzle, right? Now it's like if you're figuring something out, oh, I wonder what this is. Well, instead of taking time to, let me think about this. Have I learned anything? Let me go pick up a book. It's just like, let me ask the internet real quick. And then, right. so our brains are becoming that used to being lazy and to things being convenient. And that is maybe part of that could be in a way to just make things so easy, make the the matrix, so to speak, so alluring that why would people want to be free, right? When everything can be so convenient and so easy, you don't have to think for yourself. 
Well, and on top of that, too, is that then then this is the choke point at which suddenly down the line when they're like, oh, you said the wrong thing. Well, guess what? Now you don't have those things. Good luck. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. now you're swimming and, you know, understand how to exist. And, you know, but then, of course, those people, when put to that in a moment when they've never tried to do otherwise, will fall back in line. And that's the point. Right. So they you know, they can use that to drive you in. But I think what's interesting there is is the. Uh, well, actually, before I forget, I was going to say that I, I do. I do think ultimately that I agree with the positive note, you know, and but I, mm -hmm. to take it a step further, you know, I think you're right. And there is a level of, of feeling like you're at the very least prepared for what's coming. And that makes you feel a little more comfortable. But I always want to stress the idea that, that, you know, as much as this stuff is pretty, especially for those that are only just realizing this is real and not some conspiracy mm -hmm. theory, that it's it's overwhelming. I mean, I really understand that, like, especially now, like, let alone understanding this stuff a long time ago and seeing it on the horizon was alarming. Imagine waking up today and seeing it, you know, in your face. And actually come, yeah. yeah, man, I get how that can be pretty alarming and overwhelming. But I need to stress that it's I argue that the timeline has been expedited. Things have been rushed. Things are clumsy because we're people as a collective, as a species today. Human species are very clearly awakening for whatever reason. I mean, I you know, we've talked I've talked about yuga cycles, like, you know, shifting things and, you know, thousand year cycles where people kind of ebb and flow in their consciousness. I mean, who knows what's going on? But it's obvious mm -hmm. that people are starting to ask more questions. They're starting to lose control over the narrative. So we just need to focus on that positive because I believe this is only happening so intensely because we're changing things. And so you're reaching people with this work. So I'm glad, I'm glad we were yeah. talking. Yeah. And well, one thing I'll add too, is that I, to that, just that conversation before we can move into maybe some of the updates um, yeah. is that I, I've realized over the years that everything I'm describing in this book, you know, food, growing my own food, or at least being closer to my food supply, having land, uh, you know, having children or nieces and nephews that are, their minds are as free as possible clean water, all these kinds of things. In the beginning, it was like, oh my God, they're poisoning the food supply. So I need to find better food. They're poisoning the water. So I need to have healthier water. Oh, they're poisoning. You know, it was a reaction, right? But now, honestly, even if I woke up tomorrow and all this stuff, and, and maybe I found out, oh my God, I really was just a conspiracy theorist. I've been paranoid for 13 years. None of this stuff is real. I would still do the same thing because this is just a better way to live as far as I'm concerned, you know, to be more connected to the planet, to be more connected to your food supply clean, healthy water, organic food, or, you know, free range kids, all these kinds of things, right. That I think many of us are aspiring to, or, and at least see what's coming and are like, no, that's not what I want for my family. So mm -hmm. we need to focus on what we do want. And I've just realized in that process that ultimately this is something that I want either way, you know? So it's right. not just to me feeling like, oh, I'm running away or I'm like uh, preparing for doomsday. It's like, okay, if that stuff does come as I anticipate, and it appears to be, then I will be in a better position if I just stood here and did nothing and, you know, cried and complained or just became apathetic. That's good to know. But also if somehow we can avert the crisis, I'm still going to be living the life that I want to. And, and I think that's important to remember as well. It doesn't have to be coming from a place of fear, coming from a place of panic when you're thinking about these ideas. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that right now that's what people are just realizing. This is not a reactionary thing anymore. This is like, well, okay, we're being forced to make large choices about how our lives are going to be when people haven't really thought about that. They're fixed on the next episode of their show and the, the food, you know, the, the Walmart, you know, whatever else, the momentary things. But uh, one last point I'm going to make, and then I realized that we are short on time. That's my fault. I, I, I enjoy talking about this stuff with you. But I wanted to point out before is the, 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 the Google searching stuff as well. Remember, even people that talked about this a long time ago argued that the goal would be to give you the one answer that you need right that's the as if that's the solution or is that just what the one answer they want you to see 
I argue that's such a perfect example of how they've created a pipeline to where they can, you know, you search, oh, what's the answer to this? And they give you what you are supposed to think the answer is, as opposed to maybe yeah. what it actually is. And so we've come to rely on that as opposed to thinking outside of it. And I just don't want us to forget how clear that is a microcosm of everything that's being built. You know, you don't get to choose. Maybe that's not how it is now, but 30 seconds, to, you know, tomorrow, whoever's in charge tomorrow, whatever happens next, suddenly they go, okay, well, that's now a bad idea. And you can't look at it. And we see where that's going. So let's, let's, get, in, let's get into your, I know you've got limited time. Let's get into your book itself. And, and we can talk about, you know, if you want to get into the updates right away, I kind of wanted to ask you in general about, you know, how this has evolved from, I think that's what you're talking about, from uh, the first one to the part two and, and the changes sure. therein and so on. So go ahead and start where you yeah. like. Yeah. So, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I wrote this book in late 2019, published it two weeks before we heard the word COVID-19. And everything I talk about in the book um, has happened, unfortunately. I don't, I don't, I've had some people say like, oh, you predicted what happened. I don't really like, I'm not trying to take credit for predicting anything. I think there's plenty of other people who knew what was coming. It just, the timing just happened to be right then and there, you know? And so the book became somewhat of an underground, uh, you know, sensation in our community and around. And I've been able to sell copies all around the world. It's now translated to French and Spanish. And actually I was just contacted from a publisher uh, in Japan and this also being translated to Korean as well. So it's getting out there and that's really cool to see. And the other thing is, there's terms in the book that I put out there, like this idea of exiting and building, which is what we've been talking about. That's mm -hmm. a term now that I see being used by activists and just different people. It, so it seems like it has caught on to some degree. And of course, for a writer, that feels cool. But also it's like the ideas, the ideas are getting out there. That's what matters yeah. the most. Right. Yeah. And um, and like I said, so I published it right then. I think there's a lot of valuable stuff in the original edition, but clearly it's been an interesting two and a half, three years, and we've learned a lot. We've now seen lockdowns, immunity vaccine passports, mm -hmm. uh, restrictions, talk, talk of climate lockdowns, people mandates, people losing their jobs. Basically need... everything that's been predicted, to be quite clear. I mean, literally yeah. everything yeah. that we're worried about. And I will say in this moment that you were on this quite a bit longer before most people that I know, Derek, to give you a shout out. Thank in that you. Regard, but yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. And so, like you said, everything that we feared was coming and, and more maybe even than we thought. Um, and I, and I kind of recapped that in the new edition. So what I did with this second edition is I kept the original book exactly as is because I wanted somebody who hasn't read it yet to read it as I wrote it and maybe just kind of take in, just think about this was written before COVID. So consume it with that in mind and then kind of like, oh my God, yeah, here we are now. So I've added a new introduction. So in addition to the original introduction that you were reading earlier, there's a new introduction. And then now the third part of the book is uh, the post COVID-19 updates. And that has uh, five new chapters. So it's 50 plus pages of new material. Like I mentioned earlier, talking about unbanking, um, permaculture, growing food, uh, homeschooling, unschooling, getting the kids out and uh, just going into these different areas, talking about what happens for the next, well, what will happen with the next lockdowns and how are you going to prepare for that and how to think about that. And here's some ideas and some some things to consider. And the first chapter, though, is called COVID-1984. Obviously, that's a phrase that me and you and other people have used pretty often. But I wanted to put it like in writing and, and for history, so to speak, of capturing like, what does this term really mean? Where does it come from? And how it's it's meant to encapsulate that COVID-19 and obviously 1984, the book, that when this put, putting it together, it represents this authoritarian response that we saw uh, in response to the you know alleged pandemic. And and then just kind of recapping, like we were just saying a moment ago, all these different things that happened, the announcement of greater, the Great Reset, the announcement of, you know, the push of Agenda 2030, all this stuff. I wanted to put that in there in case somebody is coming into this fairly new and just happened to 
not maybe people read this after they wake up and they realize, oh my God, I slept through that whole COVID thing. I didn't even realize this was going on. Or potentially younger generations who are too young to know what's happening right now who might stumble on this book. I'm definitely writing this with an eye to history of uh, hoping that at any point that anybody picks this book up, it'll be valuable to them, obviously, unless it's too late. Um, and as and as a warning and as a call to action for them. And um, so, yeah, that's and if I can, the, mo the part that I'm most excited about that I want to make sure to share mm -hmm. uh, is the uh, the final new chapter, which is called Agora 2030 and the Agorist or Autonomous Development Goals. And as with all of this whole thing, you know, and everything I try to focus on is how can we compete with their systems directly? How can we build because i mean at the at the heart of this this is one area where alex jones is absolutely correct this is an information war this is a war for people's minds you know it, it truly is uh this is their fifth generation warfare where they realize that you don't necessarily have to fight on the physical battlefield you know going after people's hearts and minds winning that battle uh, the propaganda war is extremely important and so with that in mind and just this idea of building alternatives i realize that you know so much of what the united nations the world economic forum have done with the sustainable development goals which i've written about and uh you've talked about whitney webb's talked about for those who are not familiar you can find info it's these 17 sustainable development goals that are promoted as a way to save the planet and make the world more equitable socially just and uh friendly and diverse and all the kind of buzzwords but at the heart of it when you really understand it it's top-down authoritarian control it's technocracy it's transhumanism right. it's these it's it's not you get to decide what you want for your life it's these people deciding what they think is best but they're incredibly efficient at disseminating their propaganda and how do they do that they have the world economic forum that hosts the davos meeting every year they have the united nations conferences they have the sdgs and with that their goal is to make it feel like you and me the average person like wow i want to be a part of that so mm -hmm. the sdgs are something that you can sign on to and say i support the sdgs or your business can say we're sdg friendly or you know you're nonprofit and things like that right so they make it this like this brand this kind of movement that people want to be a part of and obviously people who don't look beyond just the buzzwords don't really understand the vast majority of the people who promote uh, sustainable development goals probably have no idea of the deeper kind of picture this complete right. control paradigm that they're promoting so with all that said my idea and working with john bush from the freedom cell network we started just talking about just like we launched the greater reset event to counter the davos world economic forum meeting at the same time as they meet which we will be doing in january 2023 again meeting at the same time as them we start talking about well look they have these sustainable development goals that describe the world they want to create everybody must have digital id because it's a human right now and not only do they have the goals but they have what they call uh, markers and targets so they're good at tracking like their progress and so they can say oh look this marker means that the goal has moved forward our target is this thing right so they're very meticulous about how they market it they've got a nice looking website and to me, this is the same approach we need to be taking. We need to right. be thinking of like, where, where are our goals, right? And so the book puts forward this idea, and this is not to, meant to say this is the final word. My kind of hope and what we're going to do at The Greater Reset next month is announce these publicly to the world and, and share them and, and invite anybody who wants to be a part of, including you, Ryan, to have a say and like, let's co-create our own ADGs, Autonomous Development Goals is the name we have. I mean, that doesn't even have to be the name per se. Put up a website just like them. And it is a totally voluntary consensual thing because obviously we're not governments. We don't have power. We don't want power over people. We're just mm -hmm. saying, look, if, if these goals and this vision aligns with you, then promote it. Say, hey, I stand with the ADGs, not the SDGs, right? And like my mm -hmm. business, my corporation, my family, my church, whatever, we are believing in the ADGs. And so in the book, I go you know, elaborating into what the SDGs are in case people are not familiar and then kind of outlining the ADGs. And it's things that 
people might uh, imagine, like making sure that people have a right to privacy, like they have a right to um, religious and spiritual freedom. Mm -hmm. I'll just read a couple of them. Uh, like the first one is promote access to non-state funded forms of education that emphasize volunteerism, self-ownership, mutual aid, critical thinking, creativity, and self-directed learning. Goal two, foster the creation of a network of homeschooling co-ops, unschooling pods, uh, where, whose services can be easily accessed by parents in need. Goal three, create localized and decentralized food systems through community gardens and food forests and connecting communities with local food producers. This can be accomplished by making knowledge of permaculture and indigenous food systems widely available to the masses, creating pesticide GMO-free GMO zones, promoting digital privacy, and on and on and on. But it's, it's basically mm -hmm. the polar opposite of what they're trying to promote and, and saying, like, look, this is something we should all be if not this, something similar that we should be putting out there and, and showing like, look, we're going to compete directly with them. We're not going to be doing these SDGs. We're going to have our own vision, our own you know, mm -hmm. alternative to everything that they're trying to do. Absolutely. And you know, what's crazy about it is what you just described is being framed as extremism, right? Like you're like the fact that you're challenging the normal, the status quo is in fact being framed as extreme, despite the fact that it's, you know, weirdly contradictory and obviously to what we pretend are constitutional rights and so on or what, what they are what they choose not to acknowledge anyway i think i mean it's this is simply about breaking away from the system and the control structure in every possible way the ways that you have every right to do so and i would argue that the so what we're talking about is the opting out of the technocratic state and this is part one part two would be as you're pointing to the greater reset and how we find solutions forward that drive us in our own direction as opposed to following what they say. So, so both of these are absolutely important because I argue you can't take steps in the direction of changing these unless you've taken these steps first to be able to decouple yourself exactly. from that control structure. So it's very, very important. Now, I know you've got limited time. Unfortunately, I, I was enjoying our talk for the first 20 minutes. So <laughs> if you have <laughs> anything else you wanted to include before you have to get out of here, let, you know, let me know. Um no, I mean, I, I do appreciate the conversation. I, I definitely look forward to us doing a deeper dialogue about this because mm -hmm. even outside the book, this is this conversation is not going away. It's here to stay. And right. um, I hope people will pick up the book. I don't know if we mentioned, but you can download it for free if you don't have the money to purchase it, a physical copy. The website is theconsciousresistance.com slash how to. There's a PDF download. It is available on Barnes and Noble. I think Books a Million. And if you need to, it's on Amazon too. And um, I'm going to be just putting it out there and promoting it now for the next uh, next good year or so doing events and talks and spreading the message of this. And my goal is that with the ADGs and some of these other ideas that people step up and we we co-create something together that can give the people an alternative. If not, you know, I'm going to charge forward and see, you know, what I can do. But I really am looking forward some, to some, some buy-in and some support from other activists and thought leaders and the movement, so to speak, who who really know that we need to put an alternative out more than ever, that not only do we need to, but I think that the the audience, the people consuming this are desperately looking for solutions. And I've seen that with the Greater Reset as well. And so if anybody's interested in that, they can check out thegreaterreset.org. It's happening next month, January in Mexico and in Texas. Outstanding. Yeah. And I, I think this is going to be far more popular than, than especially today, because people are very thirsty for something like this in particular. But the problem is this will be suppressed and people will stop this from reaching people that might need to see it. So help them put this in front of people that might need to see it, give them some kind of an option that they might not know is there. Right. So I thank you for talking about this today. And we definitely need to connect on this more and, and flesh more of this out because it will increase regardless of 
what we do about it. You know, so the problem is that that agenda will continue until we stop the power structure that's continuing to drive it. You know, so that's yeah. that's a third problem. But this important is the self-ownership, self-determination and making these choices for yourself and realizing that it's always been your choice. Right. So thank you for Absolutely. being here, brother. So I'm, I'm going to end with uh, I'm going to end with unless you have anything else you want to add. I'm going to end with reading the uh, second part. All right. Well, feel free to drop out if you've got to jump out, brother. Uh, thank you for being here today in general. Um, so I wanted to finish with uh, this discuss basically reading um, the, the, the additional part on the second edition introductory. Um, and this is important, I think, because it just kind of gives you, it leaves you with something I think is important. So it says when, this is Derek writing, it says, when I concluded my original introduction, I encouraged readers to remain agile. Let me bring it up so you guys can see it as well. And adaptable. 2020 proved those traits to be absolutely necessary, and I believe that the coming years will require even more flexibility. If we collectively begin to exit from these failing systems and reject the new systems being proposed, while also putting our energy into crafting the future we want for our children, we can survive and thrive in the age of the technocratic state. However, this cannot be done without risk or sacrifice. You must decide what you are willing to do for the coming generations. How will you change your daily behavior? Will you reject big tech, or will you make compromises out of convenience, accepting the next upgrade to your digital, digital devices without concern for the terms and conditions? Will you learn about alternative currencies and quit the banks, or will you accept universal basic income in the form of a central bank digital currency? Will you accept forced masking and vaccinations for your children, or will you free them from public indoctrination centers? Will you feed yourself and your family meals made of crickets and synthetic meats or will or make the effort to grow your own food or at least support those in your local area who do? Very important there. The answers to these questions and many more will determine your future. Are you the only one who can uh, you are the only one who can either stand in your way or drive you to liberation? As for me, speaking for Derek, I will continue to spread this message and decouple myself from the systems which are diametrically opposed to my principles. I hope to see you on the other side of 2030. Derek Bros, September 2020, 2022. Oh, thank you all for being here, Derek. And thank you for keep thank continuing you, to do the work that you do, Derek. And as thank always, you. question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.